0: Hello, and welcome to the first installment of Hodelpack's interview series with candidates for and members of the United States Congress. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Hodelpack is a community-governed political action committee with the mission of supporting candidates whose policies would promote the development of cryptocurrencies in the decentralized economy in the United States. Much like the crypto networks we want to see thrive, Hodelpack relies on the participation of the community. Those who donate decide which politicians we support. If you'd like to learn more and get involved, feel free to visit us at www.hodalpack.org and follow us on Twitter, at HODALPAC. I am your host, Tyler Wordy. Our guest today is Representative Darren Soto from Florida's 9th District. He's a member of the House Committee on Energy and Commerce, as well as the Committee on Natural Resources. Since being elected in 2016, Representative Soto has been one of the most active supporters of crypto in Congress. He's a co-chair of the Blockchain Caucus and has sponsored or co-sponsored several relevant pieces of legislation including the Digital Taxonomy Act, the Token Taxonomy Act, and the Virtual Currency Consumer Protection Act. Representative Soto, welcome to the show. Tyler,
1: thanks for having me. Uh, This is obviously a really
0: critical topic for America's future. So to get us started, I was hoping you could tell the Hodelpec community a little bit about your background. What drew you into politics and how did you end up as Florida's ninth district congressman?
1: I ended up moving to Florida along with my family around 2000 from New Jersey and was going to law school around that time at GW and started interning for a distant relative of mine in, uh, in central Florida. And so as I finally graduated, I ended up, uh, joining the Young Democrats to meet people. Uh, now, I had no idea uh, that would lead into a political career. Uh, I thought I'd go to Florida to work, to uh, have fun and to play some music. And I still get to do a lot of those things. Uh, but along the way, joining the Young Democrats to uh, meet folks and to build connections for my law firm, I ended up volunteering on races. Then I was managing races. Uh, from there, I became a candidate myself. and. Uh, Won and found myself in the state legislature at 29 years of age, served a few terms in the House, a few terms in the Senate, and then uh, when the opportunity came about in an open seat for representing Central Florida in Congress, uh, I jumped out the opportunity. It was a big battle, and uh, I'm honored to uh, be in my second term representing Florida's Ninth Congressional District, including parts of Orange, all of Osceola County, and parts of Polk County as well.
0: Great. And if I'm not mistaken, that makes you Disney World's congressman?
1: I have part of Disney world. Uh, okay. so a lot of the environmental land that they have then a place called wild world of sports, which happens to be, uh, in the queue to host the entire rest of the NBA season soon. Uh, so we'll go from having no professional sports teams in Florida's ninth to having all of them from the NBA. We may even get the major, uh, league baseball, uh, opportunity as well. Uh, obviously we're all struggling from COVID-19 and the response, uh, Mm -hmm. Um, But that is one thing I I know our constituents are proud of, of being able to host them. Um, But most of the parks are in uh, Congresswoman Val Deming's district, uh, um, an amazing member, along with Stephanie Murphy, who uh, we represent Central Florida together.
0: Well, I know I'm excited for the NBA to return. So thank you to your district for that. You're also a co-chair of the Congressional Blockchain Caucus. So uh, I was hoping that you could explain what that is what you do with the other members of the caucus and, you know, what that means for promoting crypto's interests in Congress.
1: Well, certainly, you know, when I was in my first year in Congress, I was not on any of the technology committees yet. And I witnessed Mark Zuckerberg get uh, interviewed in uh, committee meetings. uh, And it became really clear uh, to both my wife and I, who we had a conversation that night after hearings in the House and the Senate that Congress really, a lot of folks didn't particularly understand technology, uh, and it became evident in the question. So we decided that um, focusing on technology uh, would be an important part, along with, uh, I work on a lot of environmental issues, uh, issues related to space, uh, and a whole host of issues across the nation. And so as, as I look to Uh, get more involved in technology, there's a few areas that we've focused on. uh, Artificial intelligence and blockchain technology, when used together, could solve some of the world's most difficult problems um, because AI goes beyond our comprehension uh, to be able to use quantum computing. And then blockchain is what makes uh, the data safe. It's a fixed ledger that you can't change afterwards. And of course, one of the Uh, great applications of that is in cryptocurrency. Uh, So um, I jumped at the chance to be one of the the co-chairs of the blockchain caucus, which is a bipartisan caucus. And over the course of the end of my last term, uh, Co introduced uh, the token taxonomy act, establishing some of the jurisdiction definitions for cryptocurrency. We finished the job by refiling that and adding the digital taxonomy act so that we could establish the definitions between the CFTC, the FTC, and the SEC uh, and establish uh, the unique jurisdiction and a new financial asset. That'd be the first time in decades that the United States actually defined a new financial asset. And that came about from the input of the blockchain and cryptocurrency community that really cryptocurrency can be a commodity. It could be a currency. Uh, It could even sometimes be a future or security. And so we define all those in those two bills. Uh, I serve on one of the committees that has jurisdiction over at the consumer protection committee um, that has jurisdiction over the FTC. And uh, then Warren Davidson, who's my co-introducer serves on the financial services committee and FinTech, which uh, has jurisdiction over the remainder of it. And so that's our main goal right now uh, as we clock little victories here and there to advance the cause, uh, to establish certainty. And, um, make uh, the United States a competitive jurisdiction for cryptocurrency.
0: Yeah, and you, you, know, you, you touched on a few things in that answer that I would love to follow up on. Uh, in my introduction, I said you are the co-sponsor of the Digital Taxonomy Act as well as the Token Taxonomy Act, and you, you mentioned those as well. I was wondering if you could describe you know, the, the goals of both pieces of legislation there, how they're related, and then you know, where they stand currently.
1: So they together make up the creation of an entire regime to establish jurisdiction across those agencies and definitions. Uh, There's two bills because we wanted to strategically make it easier so that one would be referred to one committee and one would be referred to another rather than have one bill referred to both committees. That makes it much more difficult. Uh, So the one bill addresses the FTC and CFTC side, and that is the Digital Taxonomy Act, and that goes through the Energy and Commerce Committee that I serve on. The other bill finishes up the rest of that spectrum that we need to define and establish jurisdiction for, and that deals primarily with the SEC, and that would go through the Financial Services Committee. So it's by a strategy, legislative strategy, that we split the bills up into two, Uh, but together they could be viewed as one larger effort to establish the whole spectrum of what uh, cryptocurrency could be since it could be more than one thing as we uh, just discussed. And uh, so our main goal is is to create certainty. Uh, you have half the cryptocurrency startups in the United States or more spending more than half their money on lawyers and on compliance. That's a problem right now. And I say that as a commercial lawyer, but uh, we want you to spend it on on research, on, on development, on making your systems more efficient and the real reason there's so much money to have to be spent on compliance is because there isn't a fixed set of rules right now. Right now, the agencies are trying to fit cryptocurrency into 1920s and 30s style definitions that simply don't really capture uh, this very dynamic new financial asset. And so the law recognizes, uh, the, the proposed laws recognize that.
0: I think it's safe to say a lot of people in the crypto community would agree with you on the need to bring regulatory compliance costs down. So thank you for your leadership on these issues. Um, you, you spoke about a little bit about the legislative process and legislative strategy. Um, I know one area that you've been really active in is the appropriations process. Um, And, you know, I was wondering if you could help us uh, understand, first, what is the appropriations process? And two, how can it be used to advance the goals you were just describing? Um, In other words, how can the goals of the Blockchain Caucus be accomplished through the appropriations process?
1: Sure. So appropriations is basically the process where we appropriate funds. one of the main powers that Congress has, along with writing laws and oversight. And it's one of the ways we exert our check and balance on the executive branch and on the judiciary. And so this is basically where we spend the money that the taxpayers put together, all of us put together uh, to help fund uh, the many efforts of of the nation. And then of course the president and the executive branch, they run the day-to-day government. Through this though, lots of law is put into the appropriations bill, which itself is a law. And so we have used the appropriations process to advance certain smaller victories in the meantime that continue to move the ball forward as we're fighting for the bigger effort of passing the digital taxonomy act and the token taxonomy act. Some of those efforts include getting the IRS to provide further clarification on the de minimis rule, uh, which I know important for a lot of the small uh, trades and transactions for cryptocurrency. I know there's still further definition and certainty that people want, but we've at least gotten them to report on some of that already and on other tax advice uh, We, in addition, uh, got included language for the CFTC and FTC on combating fraud and promoting competitiveness. And right now we're working on the potential of a blockchain center of excellence that would be in the Department uh, of Commerce or potentially in other departments if our peers in the Senate or the White House urge us to, Um, but we figure if we can get a specific agency to look at blockchain, including cryptocurrency, uh, among many other informational and research uh, applications, uh, that that would also help advance uh, our competitiveness. Uh, So then in the larger blockchain space, uh, we've worked on quantum computing, language that we've gotten to the budget to help the Department of Defense utilize quantum computing, and also for them to do presentations to the Armed Services Committee on the uses of blockchain in the uh, in the military, and this is a big, this is a huge part of it because when we look at some of our competitors, our rivals, and they're certainly not our enemies, but places like Russia and China, which are our economic rivals, and we work with them on some things, but we are, you know, have different interests than than them on others, and we have different values. I mean, we're a we're a liberal democracy that has a, a profound civil rights. Uh, we need to make sure that our military technology. Uh, is being developed here and uh, that we don't have foreign nations spying on us. And the future of the military defense is going to be more than planes and aircraft carriers, it's cybersecurity, it's space, it's supercomputers. It's so many different ways to protect our nation beyond the traditional uh, wars we've seen in the past. So a lot of this is really important to protect our nation as well as keep us economically competitive.
0: So following on that thread of economic competitiveness, as you know, your colleagues on the House Financial Services Committee recently held a hearing on the digital dollar. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that topic specifically as well.
1: So I'm, I'm generally supportive of any efforts to expand cryptocurrency, including uh, a digital dollar, just would have to be done right. Uh, I caught some of the headlines from the committee meeting, so I'm still kind of digesting some of that. But I do also need to say that the private sector really plays a huge role in this. It needs to continue to lead the way. We've had parallel currencies or alternate currencies for generations. Uh, think of gold, for instance. Of course, we have uh, foreign currencies that, uh, that you could exchange at any time. But where cryptocurrency really has a real advantage, particularly private sector generated cryptocurrency, is removing the transactional costs and the economic friction, as economists would call it, um, for small transactions that are international. Uh, So if a small robot producer in Orlando wants to do business with someone in Africa or Australia, they have to exchange funds. They, they, they may have to do it through money order, all these different things. When if they were both on utilizing the same cryptocurrency, they'd be able to do that transaction with far less transactional costs associated with it. Uh, So the digital dollar, I, I don't think is going to be doing that kind of work. It would just be another form of the dollar that, uh, to give people options. I mean, we really already have digital dollars and that. I mean, when's the last time you used cash? You know, it's, you know, most of it is debit cards and credit cards already, but, but to quantify in a unit, I think, you know, eventually uh, it is a positive idea. As long as we're not crowding out um, what is necessarily some of the other major advances, which is to have our private sector lead the way with other exchanges of cryptocurrency that can again, harness these, Avoiding these transaction costs that make it harder for small businesses to do business abroad and in a more secure fashion because it's a fixed ledger. So uh, it's at least impossible under current technology to, to, to go in and commit fraud later on.
0: So going back to your previous answer about the appropriations process, you were you were the leader of an effort, a recent effort to send Treasury Department a letter about using blockchain technology to solve some of the problems that we've seen on full display during the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, some namely some of the shortcomings of government when it comes to for example, tracking, publicizing information and distributing funds to citizens. Can you talk a little bit about that letter, how that came together and kind of what your goals are with that?
1: Sure. And I alluded a little bit to it already. The, the main goal is to harness artificial intelligence, utilizing blockchain and the, the important fixed ledger that it brings to have decentralized research efforts and data points to solve some of the world's and the nation's most difficult problems. For instance, coordinating between suppliers of personal protective equipment during this pandemic and the hospitals, businesses, and other healthcare centers that need this equipment, need this personal protective equipment. And so right now, we're using basically 20th century technology through the Pentagon that the military has used to handle these logistical and procurement issues. We think we can do better and that we should try, at least with pilot programs, to take on part of this using uh, new systems. And and so we filed our letter. It was one of two letters that the blockchain caucus got really involved in, in our pandemic response. So in addition to tackling the supply and demand of personal protective equipment, we suggested Treasury about utilizing cryptocurrency to help pay stimulus payments. You got to start somewhere. So they obviously didn't do that. um, But the fact that you had Treasury respond to it in the media and people start thinking about it, Who knows? We may have under the HEROES Act that we're contemplating right now another round of stimulus checks. We may not, we'll see, but at least they're thinking about it as we look to another time. And this certainly won't be the last time that the government is refunding people money or paying people a stimulus check, you know, and people get tax refunds each year. So there's going to be opportunities going forward. So at least we're getting Treasury to think about what that would look like to allow people to get their stimulus checks or potentially tax refunds in the future through cryptocurrency. And then, of course, harnessing blockchain in general uh, to solve these complex problems like personal protective equipment during a pandemic. But we could equally see um, making our healthcare system more efficient, even combating climate change by having a decentralized system with the integrity of blockchain that uh, researchers around the nation could Put input into and use artificial intelligence to try to analyze that data to make uh, us be more efficient and more effective in in some of the world's most difficult problems that in certain instances really are beyond even human comprehension. So there's a lot of exciting things that slowly but surely we're getting the federal government to do. And a lot of that, as I mentioned, has been through the appropriations process of getting some of these smaller victories done. And of course, uh, we have some more ambitious plans with the Digital Taxonomy Act and Token Taxonomy Act.
0: So that letter was a bipartisan letter. At Holdupac, we are nonpartisan. We plan to, you know, support both Democrats and Republicans. One of the things I am curious to ask you about, as a member of both the Congressional Blockchain Caucus as well as the Congressional Progressive Caucus, is how do you think about how crypto aligns with progressive goals? You know, there's one of the most exciting things about crypto, and one of the things that we're experimenting with at Pack is how it can enable new forms of social organization. And you know, I, I think a lot of people. Are excited about thinking about crypto networks as the new kind of cooperatives, kind of a new, almost an evolution in, you know, in corporations and in a natively digital format. I was hoping you could speak a little bit about that. And if you've had a chance to talk with any of your colleagues that maybe aren't as interested in crypto as you about, you know, the prospects of crypto generally.
1: Sure. So you'll see some progressives and even some libertarians on the On the right side of the spectrum, have a keen interest in cryptocurrency. I can tell you from a progressive perspective, economic disparities in our nation represent some of the biggest challenges that we face. And so anything that can help the smallest of businesses, folks um, be able to do business, to have access to even small amounts of capital so that they can put together their small business and be able to do business internationally can help with closing this economic gap. I mean, we see literally the top 1% of the nation uh, has more than 50, 60% of the wealth. And when we add it to the top 10%, now we're talking 80% of the wealth. So we have challenges uh, yeah. and we're a democracy and we believe in capitalism. So we don't just mandate to fix that, but we do have a responsibility to enact policies to help give more economic opportunities to Americans across the nation. And I believe that this is a great way for small businesses to be able to excel and expand their business, both nationally and internationally, and also giving more creative ways to be able to build capital. It's no secret in this country that so many Americans, their biggest obstacle to starting their small business is access to capital. And so allowing this and imagine just adding in now crowd sourcing of funding, uh, as well, and you can have multiple people across the nation invest in a small business, small dollar amounts, but it could be enough for that business to get off the ground when a, a traditional bank or credit union may not approve them for any lending. So I view this as a key part of closing the, the wealth gaps that we have in this nation.
0: And, and for our last question, we know members of Congress like yourself are very busy. You have many other things on your plate besides crypto related issues. So, you know, for the last question here, what are some of your other legislative priorities for 2020 and beyond?
1: Right now, my legislative priorities are really to meet the the moment. We are in such a unique and challenging time. 2020 has shocked us all. I think we all, as we're riding through it, understand that. So. My priorities are meeting the nation's priorities right now. Uh, We have to get a cure vaccine to uh, COVID-19. We uh, need to bring an economic recovery um, back to Central Florida and to the nation and uh, really lead the world back to economic prosperity. Uh, After the murder of George Floyd, we need serious reforms to uh, justice and policing. And so we filed the Justice and Policing Act of 2020 that will have the privilege of voting on on next week, uh, as we all proclaim as Americans, that Black lives matter. And locally, a lot of it will be continuing to develop the high-tech economy and diversify the economy in Central Florida. We are a tourism area, obviously, and that is our biggest industry with Disney and Universal and SeaWorld and so many others. Um, but we also have the busiest spaceport on Earth at Cape Canaveral uh, right in the area and uh, we also have virtual reality and uh, simulation and training uh, jobs that we do. We do most of the simulation and training programs for the military in Central Florida. We have a huge aerospace industry that kind of is hand-in-hand with the space industry, and then emerging biotech. So a lot of the my priorities locally are to be able to increase higher-paying jobs for the region through boosting those tech sectors, which is why this issue is important. We certainly encourage any uh, new entrepreneurs in the crypto space or people looking to live in a beautiful area, you're going to find few areas that have a decent cost of living and uh, beautiful weather and, and a great tech background like the University of Central Florida, University of Florida, and other areas in the nation. So we welcome you all to come to Central Florida and to make it your home as well. But those are really the things that occupy my my efforts right now as we meet these tremendous challenges that my district, Central Florida, our state, and our nation face.
0: Great. Thanks so much for your time today, Congressman. Hopefully, we can speak again soon. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Thank you for listening to the first installment of Hodelpack's interview series. If you'd like to learn more about Hodelpack and our mission, check us out at www.hodelpack.org or follow us on Twitter at Hodelpack. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the bio to get exclusive updates and access to transcripts from each episode. I'm Tyler Wordy. I'll see you next week as we speak to Representative Warren Davidson.